Uh, good morning. I, I do not know about you, but uh, singing with our praise team leaders, James and Angie, and uh, the rest of the crew right here has impacted me. Like I was drawn closer to God, and uh, it brought me to think and reflect upon my life and the roller coasters of my life, even in the ministry and in, on a personal level. It's always a joy to see many of you, uh, familiar faces and new faces. I do hope and pray that this morning the Lord will be with us and guide us in our studies. This morning, uh, I was entrusted to study about Exodus chapter 17. And you are very familiar with the narrative that it contains. I entitled it, When God Says No. Just a brief review. You knew that uh, prior to Exodus chapter 17, many things had happened. And it was only about two, three months after they left Egypt. They have been to uh, the Red Sea. They've crossed the Red Sea miraculously. And uh, they saw the Egyptians swallowed up by the sea. And they enjoyed their time. It was tough and challenging, of course. Everything was new. But at the same time, uh, we saw in the Bible that they came to a place called Mara and the water was bitter. They could not drink it. And Moses was instructed by God to do something about it by putting a branch. And finally, it was sweet and they can drink it. It was scary. And after a while, you know, apparently after a few weeks of traveling, the supplies that they brought from Egypt has run out, and they are hungry. So they cried out to Moses and said, Hey, Moses, did you bring us here in the wilderness to kill us? Our children are hungry. They're, they're starving. And so Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord commanded Moses, to inform the Israelites of what they are about to do because in the morning, he will be sending a bread called manna. And in that same evening, the Lord created some sort of wind and led the herds of uh, quails to invade the camp of the Israelites. And so um, they have lots of meats and they have lots of bread, apparently. That's in Exodus chapter 15 and chapter 16. Now, what happens in Exodus chapter 17 is this. Okay, my clicker is not working. I think, is it me or? Okay, praise the Lord. <laughs> like, is it me or is it you? <laughs> Another miraculous thing that went with them is the pillar of clouds by day and the pillar of fire by night. And you're familiar with this. And the Bible tells us that the instruction of the Lord is that they will just to follow the movement of the clouds and the fire. If the clouds move, they move. If the clouds stay, they stay and they will camp. If the pillar of fire moves in the evening, even though they are supposed to go to bed, they still have to go moving. So basically, it is the pillar of clouds and the pillar of fire by night that serves as their GPS. And then this happened, chapter 17, verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. And something happened there at Repidim because there was no water for the people to drink. See, the problem is like escalating 
on a higher and higher basis. First time, they have no shelter. Then there was no water. And then the, they still have some sort of water, but, you know, uh, at Tripidim, they were encouraged that they can top up the water that they brought from Egypt. And then there was no food. And then there was food. And then there was plenty of food. And then again, there was no water. But notice what the Bible tells us, my dear brothers and sisters. They are traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. Apparently, they are in that situation because the Lord led them in that location. Like it was not their doing, they were not going around, they were just following the leadings of the Lord. And where the Lord has brought them is a place of desolation. It is a place where there is no water. So whenever, you know, we encounter uh, challenges in the new beginning of life, in this journey, and this is how it looks like during summertime, uh, the Repidim and the Zin area, and uh, especially on worst time of the year, this is how this basically looks like. It, it's basically barren, something like that. But the Bible informs us why they are there. It is because the Lord guided them there. The Lord brought them there. You know, my dear brothers and sisters, my friends, there are times that we are in straight places, inconveniences, tough situations, and question, hey, God, why am I here? But get this from the passage. At times, the Lord places exactly on that difficult situation so that He will be able to teach us something about Himself and about ourselves at the same time. What do we do when we are on challenging situations? When, when, when situations is basically outside of our control, you know, water is something you cannot just produce out of your bodies. You can't do anything about it. You'll have to depend on Mother Nature or God about it. So what they did was they quarreled with Moses, telling Moses, give us water to drink. And that's what we do whenever we are faced with challenging situations. We fight. Either we fight with our spouses, we fight with our children, we fight with our colleagues. We, we look for someone else to, to, to lambast, to turn that energy. And you know what they did? Ah, it, it was Moses. No, he is the very representation of God. He led us here. And so let's fight with Moses. And sometimes we raise our fists to the heavens and say, God, why did you bring me here? Why am I here? And where are you? And where are the supplies that you are supposed to bring me? We, we want to, to rationalize. In fact, they said that the people are actually ready to stone Moses. They are almost ready to stone me. And so whenever we are in a tough and challenging situation, we would like to rationalize. We would like to fight, especially when there is a crowd that is involved. You know, the crowd mentality you, you become bolder, you become eager and easily agitated, and you would like to follow the crowd, and that's, that's what they did, my dear brothers and sisters. So Moses asked them, hey guys, why are you fighting with me? And in fact, why do you put the Lord to the test? In essence, what Moses was telling them is this, hey, our problem is water, our problem is we need to drink, but by fighting with me, we will not be able to get water, right? 
So they had the wrong focus because they focused their energy on quarreling Moses and probably quarreling with each other. And this uh, writing from the patriarchs and prophets is very instructive. Uh, she wrote, they forgot their bitter service in Egypt. They forgot the goodness and power of God displayed in their behalf. In their deliverance from bondage, they forgot how their children had been spared when the destroying angels slew all the firstborn of Egypt. They forgot the grand exhibition of divine power at the Red Sea. You know, they have been through a lot. And honestly, it was extremely challenging. But at the same time, it was extremely a display of God's blessing for each one of them. But you know, human easily forgets. Just like the New Year resolution and just like the promises we make to each other, we, we sometimes can easily forget because of having the wrong focus. By continually dwelling on the dark side of their experiences, they separated themselves farther and farther from God. Oh, by the way, I don't have a, I don't have a clock here. I was thinking, hey, it's still 1.20. Uh. <laughs> I was depending on the clock, James. <laughs> like, okay, I still have time. Why is that? <laughs> so they, they have the wrong focus. You, you know, our, our, our eyes are just like the camera. You know, we can only focus on one or two things, and that's about it. And the rest on the peripheral becomes blurry. You can't see them clearer. It depends on where you focus your eyes. And that's what's going on with them. The Bible says, you know, they focus their energy on quarreling and basically questioning God and questioning Moses. And this is what's happening. The people were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us our and our children and livestock die of thirst? So they're thinking well in advance. They were saying, hey, we're going to die. Did you bring us here to die? Did God really bring them out of Egypt so that God could kill them on the wilderness? Why not just drown them on the Red Sea? Or probably just in Mara, or probably when they were famished and starving in the wilderness. And why would God send like uh, the, the quail and also the manna? No, God was not bent on harming you. God was not bent on, he, he was not like celebrating when you lose your job. He was not happy when you get sick. The whole heaven is not rejoicing when you are down in your knees and confused and in tears, not knowing where to go or what to do next. But sometimes that's what we think, that God, you know, God, you're like playing with me. I ask for this, then you give me this. How? You know, my dear friends, I was married almost 11 years ago. And, you know, just like newlywed, we were praying for a child. I, I am healthy, my wife is healthy, and we were like expecting that after one or two years, probably we'll be pregnant. But even up until today, God was saying no. And we are confused. We don't understand. We don't know how. And, and for so many years, we were focused on fighting with God, and at many times, fighting with each other. And at many times, you know, focusing on maybe it's my mistake, maybe something we did on the past, or probably something like this or that, you know. You, I tend to blame myself, blame someone else, or blame a lot of things. And, and that's what's happening, my dear brothers and sisters. And I, we, we were thinking, is God out to get me? Probably this is the cross that we will be bearing, something like that. And that becomes, that's helpful. And that becomes our, 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 our routine, our, our roller coaster ride. Is God out to, to kill us? 
Essentially, what they were saying is this. If you were to describe the verse, they're afraid. They are afraid of the future. They're afraid what will happen tomorrow, right? Do you remember when God was trying to introduce himself to them in Exodus chapter 3, verses 12, 13, and 14, when Moses says, when I go to them, the Israelites, right? You know them. And they would ask me, who is that God who's, you know, wanting us to go out of Egypt? Can you tell them, God told them, when, you, when they ask for my name, tell them that I am that I am. I am in Hebrew is the one that encompasses the past, the present, and the future. That's my name. I am in the past. I am the present. I am in the future. But they are now afraid. They have forgotten that who is with them is the great I am. The God of Isaac, Jacob, and not only that, it is the God of the future and of eternity. They need not be afraid. They feared for the future. They could not understand how these vast multitudes were to subsist in their travels through the wilderness. And in imagination, they saw their children famishing. My dear brothers and sisters, this is what's happening. The Lord guided them there. At times, what if your blessings comes through raindrops? What if your healing comes through pain? What if a countless sleepless night is what it takes to know God is near? What if trials of this life are your blessings in disguise? We always, we always would want to, you know, be healed. We always want to just receive blessings and no worries, no problem, no trouble. But what if the very thorns, the very pain, what if us having no child is God's tremendous blessing for us? We always think of blessing as something that will make us happy and not like make us in a difficult situations. But God works in different ways because He knows what you need. He knows what I needed. You know what are we supposed to do? What Moses did. The Bible says, then Moses cried out to the Lord. If I were to describe it, it's about faith. See, Moses was not quarreling with the crowd, right? He understands, you know, they're hungry, they're thirsty, they're inconvenienced, they have no room, they have no air conditioning. They're, they're like, it's a difficult situation. And my dear brothers and sisters, God understands when you are throwing your tantrums, when you are crying, when, 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 when there's no word enough to, to, to express your anguish in God, God understands. And, and probably the song that beautifully captures this is, Tears are language. God understands. God knows. And Moses knows what to do. Instead of, you know, spending his time arguing with the crowd, he said he cried out to the Lord. He changes his focus. And immediately the Bible says, The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will be there. I will stand before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it. You will notice that there are two different stories here. The first one is here. This is in Repidim. And uh, Moses was commanded by God to strike the rock twice, well, which he did. And by doing that, uh, plenty of waters just flow miraculously out of the rock, you know, my dear brothers and sisters. But this is what happened, you know. Uh, the Bible says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. And he asked a question, is anything too difficult for me? You answer, is anything too difficult for the Lord? No, the Lord, he is able, and with him nothing is impossible. So the first point is God guides. The second point is God provides. God will provide, not immediately, 
not outright, not at the moment we think we desperately need it. But you know, sometimes God provides in different ways and different means. In our case, we've been praying for a biological child three and a half years ago. God provided and someone has entrusted to us a child. We say, no, 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 no. But it was just left to us. We said, you know, we'll just give you milk. We'll just, we'll just pay for the, for the hospitalization and everything. But no, you know, we, we understand how painful it is when you, you are separated probably from your child. Don't do that. But, you know, if, if you will not receive this, you know, we'll just throw this into the garbage bin. God answered our prayer in different ways. God provided differently. And we're like, Lord, what is this? And why, why are you doing all this? We don't still understand a lot of things. But one thing I know, God provides in different ways, different means, of which He only knows the reasons behind all those actions. And what happened is this. At the ending of the story in verse 7, He called the place Masa and Beriba because of the contention of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Ah, the gist of the matter. This is the issue that they are going on. By what they did, essentially, what they were really saying is this. Is the Lord among us or not? Hey, guys, you know, you were just set free from the bondage after 400 years, and there were 10 plagues and 10 blessings for you. You crossed the Red Sea. You have the pillar of clouds by day and pillar of fire by night. You have the quail, and you have the daily manna, the daily bread. And they, they still dared to ask, is the Lord among us or not? Like, what? And God was offended when we continue to question His presence in our life. It's like your heavenly father, your father and your children ask you, do we have a parent? Like, of course, you have a parent. My dear brothers and sisters, the difficult situations that you are in right now does not mean there, are no, there is no God. It only means God is at work in you. And God is not done with you yet. You're a work in progress. You may not understand it, but you shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted Him in Massa. In the future, 40 years later, you know, as I ended this Bible study, 40 years later, no? They are like circling around the, the, the wilderness on their way to the promised land Canaan, right? And this is where it first happened, right here. Uh, after they exit Goshen, uh, they pass through the Mount Sin, and around that is uh, where it first happened in Ripidim. And then 40 years later, they were near Kadesh, right here. They're about to cross the Jordan River on the right side of, of that map, 40 years later. And the same problem happened. There's no water, and the whole Israelites reported the numbers 20 were like crying and complaining again. By the way, uh, almost all those who complain in the wilderness are almost dead because of their being stubborn. And now this is a new generation. But after 40 years, the same thing happened, reported in Numbers chapter 20. And Moses again cried out to the Lord, and uh, the Lord commanded him in uh, Numbers chapter 20, I think it's verse 7, speak to the rock before their eyes and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. You notice the instruction here is different. It's not to struck the rock, but to speak to the rock. And Moses lifted his hand and instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock twice. 
just like the first time he did it 40 years ago. He struck the, the rock twice with his rod and water came out abundantly. And, you know, it happens again, a miracle. But because of that, the Lord told them in Numbers 20, 24, Aaron will die. And he will not be able to cross through the, the promised land. And also Moses will die and he will not be able to, to like cross and enter the promised land because you broke faith with me in the midst of the people of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of Sin and because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the people of Israel. And like we're like, what? One mistake? See, Lord, you're really out to get us. One mistake and Moses is not allowed to go in. You know, some, which is why many Seventh-day Adventists are so afraid. They said there are just too many restrictions, too many laws, and God is really watching us. You know, no, my mistake is the Sabbath, is the Sabbath, things like that. And we're like, become afraid of God. And many young people, the new generations of Adventists, they say, this doesn't make sense. How come God looks like a police? And Moses just committed one mistake and he was not allowed to go inside the promised land. The Lord only brought them up again on top of Mount Horeb and showed him what the Israelites would have to inherit the promised land. He will have to see it by his own eyes, but he will not be able to enter it. So what do we do when God says no? When, when we're just very uh, fresh in the new year, we're starting out and like God said, no, 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 I have different plans for 2022 for you. When God says no, God wanted to purify you. Your blessings may come in different form rather than the way you are expecting it, but God loves you. And God wanted to purify you. To, you know, God wanted to, to take away that, that gross of self-sufficiency and self-dependency so that He'll bring you to a place where you only needed Him. That He is the solution for your water. He's the solution for your cash. He's the solution for your credit. He's the solution for your promotion. He will bring you into difficult situations that you will realize that without God and without Him, you'll be in big trouble. And when you're in big trouble with Him, you'll be all right. God wanted to purify you. Uh, the inspired writing says, God shut Moses out of Canaan to teach a lesson which should never be forgotten. He required exact obedience and that men are to beware of taking themselves the glory which is due to their maker. So Moses was finally angry. But you know, God was trying to take the gross out of his, his, his life because he must come out like a gold. We are being purified in the fire. So I just really love, I like, while listening to, to your song, guys, wow, the Lord is like, this, everything was falling together in its right places. God was trying to purify you. And number two, when God says no for you this year, God has something better in mind. Something better in mind, my dear brothers and sisters. Because you remember that Moses, yes, he died. He was unable to enter to the promised land and to Canaan. But we have record in Jude chapter 1 verse 9 that the angel Gabriel actually brought him back to life. And it has been recorded in Matthew chapter 17 verse 22 and 3 in the Mount of Transfiguration whereby Moses and Elijah talks to Jesus Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. Moses was alive. Moses was there. You know, instead of bringing him to the earthly Canaan, God decided, hey, Moses, you're not going to go in into the earthly Canaan. I'm going to bring you to the heavenly one, to the real one. 
How many times we have been praying for something so little, but God has something big in His mind. God has something huge. And the deeper you go into the pit, the deeper and the, the harder you go into the ground because God is preparing you into something bigger, something brighter, and something more that will bless you in the long term and in the long run. The deeper the foundation, the taller are the buildings. The, the longer you draw the arrow back, the, the more... Uh, distance it will cover when it, was pro when it will finally be released. God has something better in mind. And when God says no, God loves you. When God says no, God loves you. And that is the person of God. God's no is not a rejection, but a redirection. God's no is not a punishing, but a policing. God's delay is not a betrayal, but a portrayal of His grace. When we realize all these things, we will learn that God will abide with us and God will not abandon us as he was with Moses even through his time of failure and even in his difficult situations and circumstances. So this morning, my dear brothers and sisters, as you begin a new year, may the Lord be with you and know that God loves you despite of the situations you may be in right now. Hang in there. God is at work and the best is yet to be. May the Lord bless you. Father in heaven, 
I do not know exactly the situations of my dear brothers and sisters who are worshiping with me right now. One thing I know, Lord, you are with them every step of the way, never wanting to abandon them, always eager to bless them. And now, my dear brothers and sisters, may the Lord who has promised that He is with you, accompany you from henceforth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.